0: to Matthew chapter 5 as we continue our study in the Sermon on the Mount, beginning with the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 9, chapter 5, today we come to verse 9, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called the sons of God and may God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of His holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father, we're thankful for Your word which You have spoken to us, and we pray that by the power of Your Holy Spirit that You would come and speak to us now, that we would hear the voice of our Good Shepherd, and hearing His voice, that He would know us, and we would know Him, and follow Him, and offer our hearts to Him promptly and sincerely. In spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, Amen. Be seated, please. Do you want to be like God? Wanting to be like God could be either the most blasphemous or the best and holiest desire we could ever have. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 5, we learn that the fall and ruin of the human race was the desire to be like God. It was the lie of the devil that if they ate the forbidden fruit, that they would be like God. So they took and they ate. They sinned and we sinned. They fell and we fell. They lost fellowship with God and we are their children and His natural born enemies. They died and we shall die because they wanted to be like God. According to Isaiah 14, 14, the fall of Lucifer, and we won't get into whether Lucifer refers to the king of Babylon, the devil, or both, but it is both. But he was cast down because he said in his heart, I will be like the Most High. The desire to be like God is the height of blasphemy. Yet in Ephesians 5, 1, we read, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. To imitate God is to try to be like Him. So to be like God is the highest and noblest and holiest thing we can desire. Now, we may have never thought about it like this, but we intuitively understand the difference. The desire to be like God in terms of His glory and power and such, that's an abomination. But the desire to be like God in, in terms of the goodness and righteousness of his character. That's the best of all. And this seventh beatitude is about us being like God in the best sense, it's about godliness. What godliness means, being like God. Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. It's the same idea as Ephesians 5 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children. The message of this beatitude is that we show our family resemblance to our heavenly Father by being peacemakers. Now let's get to it. First, in this beatitude, we see true peace. True peace. Look at it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now, most people tend to associate peace with either a personal feeling of calm or compromises between people or nations to avoid conflict. And neither one of those aspects of peace is at the heart of true peace. Listen to Colossians chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. Just listen. For it pleased the Father that in Him, that's in Jesus Christ, all the fullness should dwell. And by Him to reconcile all things to Himself, by Him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of His cross. True peace is to be at peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, turn, if you would, in your Bibles, Romans 5, 1, Romans 5, and stay in Romans for a little bit, Romans 5, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now skip to verse 6. For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die... Yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. You see, there is peace with God only through our Lord Jesus Christ. We were by nature the enemies of God because we are by nature sinners, children of Adam. Old hymn says, I once was an outcast stranger on earth, a sinner by choice and an alien by birth. You see, when Adam broke the terms God had given him in trying to become like God, he sinned and lost fellowship. He lost peace with God. He became estranged, the enemy of God. And we are all, by virtue of our connection to Adam, the natural enemies of God. But we read in Romans 5, 8, But God demonstrates His own love toward us And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Until we have made peace with God, all other peacemaking efforts are futile. The first conflict between people entered the world when Adam tried to pin the blame on Eve for his sin. And their firstborn son, Cain, murdered his little brother, Abel. The hostility between men, families, nations, it flows out of our original hostility to God. But God has taken the initiative to make peace with his enemies. To make peace with us. He gave his own son to die in our place for our sins so that he would not hold or count our sins against us. His blood has paid the price. So Paul says in Colossians 1, he made peace by the blood of the cross. In 1917, Teddy Roosevelt said that peace at any price would destroy the nation. That phrase, peace at any price, is a term of derision. It means to be too cowardly to take a stand. You'll compromise everything you believe to get along with people. Peace at any price. Well, in the ultimate sense, peace only comes at one price. The infinite An eternal price of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the price of peace. His blood is the only acceptable currency. This was a great promise and pronouncement of the benediction. The high priest was to declare over Israel, The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And give you peace. You realize the old benediction of the high priest Aaron? It was a prophecy of Jesus Christ. The Lord gave us peace when He gave us His Son. Even way back then, before Christ. Their peace was, with God was based on what Jesus would do some 1,500 years in the future. Now, if you're still in, in Romans 5, look at verse 1 again. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the terms of peace. Faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus must be applied to us. Anything in life, if it's not applied, it doesn't work. Medicine doesn't help you if it's not applied. Your knowledge does you no good if it's not applied. What skills and talents you have are useless if you don't apply yourself. If we don't apply it, it's of no use to us. John Calvin put it this way. We must understand that as long as As Jesus Christ remains outside of us and we are separated from Him, all that He has suffered and done for the salvation of the human race remains useless and of no value for us. As long as we are outside of Jesus Christ and He is outside of us, what He has done will avail us Nothing. We must be joined to Jesus Christ to be at peace with God by faith. If we're not trusting Jesus Christ alone, we are by default the enemies of God under His wrath. The Apostle Paul said, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Receive Jesus Christ by faith and being justified by faith, you will have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. we see true peace. Secondly, in this beatitude, we see making peace. Making peace. Now back in Matthew, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. We're to be peacemakers. and It ought to be clear enough that if true peace is being at peace with God through faith, in Jesus Christ, then being a peacemaker is being an instrument in God's hands for bringing people to faith in Christ. Apostle Paul says, 2 Corinthians 5, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. The Lord has made peace. He's made reconciliation through the blood of Jesus. And he has given that ministry, that message of reconciliation, that word of peace with God. He's committed it to us. Being a peacemaker is essentially being an evangelist. Sinclair Ferguson says that is not to say we're all equally... Well, equipped for all aspects of personal evangelism. It means only that all of us share in the responsibility of living lives and speaking words that contribute to the conversion of others. That's being a peacemaker. And there's more. There's more to peacemaking than evangelism, although there's no true peacemaking apart from the gospel message. I want to ask you to turn back to Romans, but I'll read you from Romans 12, beginning with verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. It is our duty to live at peace with everyone as far as it depends on us. To repay no one evil for evil, not to retaliate. We're to be kind to our enemies. These are the things that make for peace. But why? Because God showed mercy to us while we were His enemies. God initiated the peacemaking mission of sending His Son into the world to make peace with us. Therefore, because God has treated us so kindly, taken the initiative to make peace with His enemies, with us, We must do all in our power as far as it depends on us to be at peace with everyone. And once again, we see the gospel logic of the Beatitudes. We're poor in spirit. Sinners who mourn our sins. We're humbled by the reality of of our spiritual poverty and bankruptcy and made meek. We hunger and thirst for the righteousness we don't have. And God, in His mercy, gave us His own righteousness. And because He has been so merciful to us, we're merciful people. And because He's done all this, we must give Him our whole hearts. That is, be pure in heart. And what God has done for us is to make peace and reconciliation with His enemies. And therefore, if we are at peace with Him, we must be peacemakers making peace. So we see true peace, making peace, and thirdly and finally, we see the children of God. The children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Now the connection between the two parts of this beatitude is plain as day. Some children resemble their parents more than others. In some cases, the resemblance is so strong you can just tell. I remember when Reverend Benjamin Glasser was first installed as the pastor out of Bethany. I was there. He and I were both new to Clover. We'd known each other a long time, but I started at Clover and he started at Bethany the same day. I didn't know many people out at Bethany in the building back then. But after the service in the fellowship hall amongst a bunch of strangers, to me, I immediately recognized Benjamin's daddy because he looked exactly like him, except his daddy was about a foot taller. There was no doubt. The resemblance was that strong. And Jesus here is saying that this is how we look like our Heavenly Father. We're peacemakers. We show kindness to enemies. We don't hold grudges against people. We take initiative in reconciling. There's a family resemblance in peacemaking. We show the lost world and conflict-infested world who God is when we make peace. Now, if we could return to our starting point it was Adam's attempt to be like God when he took the fruit that broke the peace. You know, the Gospel of Luke traces the, the genealogy of Jesus Christ all the way back to Adam. It says, Jesus, the Son of God, and it traces His lineage all the way back to Adam, and it says, Adam, the son of God. Adam was the son of God, but he split the family by his sin. And the scripture says that because of that, we are by nature not the children of God, but the children of wrath. But when the fullness of time was come God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons That's what God has done for us. He gave His only begotten Son that we might receive the gift of adoption to be the royal children of the living God. And His children become like Him. Not in the wicked way that Adam did, but we become like Him in His goodness and mercy and kindness. His children love their enemies because He loved us when we were His enemies. We make peace because He has made peace with us, and we are His children who wish to represent our Father well. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called the children of God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.